Hello. I have an invitation to tea with the Queen. Yes, Emma's been expecting you. Please come in. I think that we just massively underestimate, especially as women, our own capability and awesomeness. And it, it's changed. It's changed my life completely. Yeah. Sometimes I think you go through this journey as a business owner and think you're a bit crazy. You're like, who am I to have this dream? Well, I just think women are hard on themselves. I wish I had been more confident in what I was capable of. But I feel like you do what feels right for you, then that's going to be always on brand. Women, our natural inclination is to be pleasers and to put other people before self. I've never had a tea with the Queen before and this is such a pleasure. <laughs> Hello, I'm Emma McQueen and welcome to Tea with the Queen. I love royalty and today my guest is a queen of another domain. Her name is Cherie Rubenstein and she used to be a lawyer but had this entrepreneurial itch she just had to scratch. It led her to found One Roof, a co-working space. It wasn't just any old space. Based in South Bank, it was voted top five co-working space for women in the world. And then COVID hit, which threw a complete spanner in the works. They quickly pivoted to digital membership and haven't looked back. And for Cherie, as you'll hear later, her definition of measurement of success has changed since those early days. Hi, Cherie. Thank you so much for joining us on Tea with the Queen. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you for having me, Emma. Yeah, I'm doing a little celebratory dance. Because <laughs> you get to have tea with the Queen. It's perfect. You started your career in law at a major commercial firm. Was that always the dream? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really know what the dream was. I was a high achieving student, kind of type A personality. I come from a Jewish family. I went to a Jewish school. And so there was a lot of emphasis placed on education and doing well at school and then on very typical career paths like law and medicine. My parents run their own business and they, you know, found that really hard. So I think they were trying to show me that there's other options, but, you know, the apple never falls far from the tree. Yeah, and I, I loved writing. I think I wanted to run my own magazine but ended up falling down that path of, yeah, following that path to become a corporate lawyer. I actually found it really hard. Like when I studied, I think from the moment I started studying law, I lost a lot of confidence. I felt like a fish out of water. I felt quite anxious during my years in uni and then working in a corporate law firm. That career definitely wasn't for me. So funny that sometimes we have to go through that and get all the way through it and then go, no, nah, it's not for me. Yes. <laughs> Don't we? Bless. <laughs> what was, tell us what was the inspiration behind One Roof and what is it for our listeners? Yeah, so I guess while I was working as a corporate lawyer, I really felt that the messaging that I received as like a young career-driven woman was my chances of, of success are not equal to my male counterparts because of that simple fact that I am a woman. It wasn't obvious to me before 
being in the workplace and before being in in a corporate in the corporate world. And so I just became really frustrated and then equally passionate about driving change and probably incredibly naive that thinking that I'm going to make a huge dent and difference in this space. But, you know, as once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. It really started small for me. My foray into entrepreneurship was running networking events for women. And this was seven years ago now. So there wasn't as much going on then as there is now. And then running focus groups to understand in particular entrepreneurial women and what their challenges are and how I can better support them. And then I came up with this concept of creating a co-working hub for women-led businesses. And I tested this idea in a woman's home. It was an Airbnb home in St Kilda in Melbourne and turned it into a pop-up co-working space for a week. And we had 500 people come into her home in that one week. And she, to this day, has no idea how many people were in her house. Um, (laughs) But it was hugely successful. And so I guess off the back of that was came this idea of creating a space and a community and a network for female leaders and entrepreneurs to really thrive. Our mission is to increase the number and success of women leaders and entrepreneurs. The business itself has changed a lot. Like initially it was a co-working operator and we became one of the top five co-working operators in the world dedicated to women-led businesses. And then when COVID hit, we, yeah, things were turned upside down and we had to pivot to digital. So it's changed a lot and it's now a digital membership and network for women. I love it. I mean, I love the fact that you hired someone's house as an Airbnb and then 500 women came through. Obviously, there was such a critical need for what you were doing and voted top five co-working spaces in the world for women is amazing. What do you think made One Roof so amazing? Is it you? (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't think I can take all the credit. I think there's a few things. I I put this really simply, but I think that we just really give a shit. And I say that a lot that, you know, everything we do comes back to the barriers that exist for women, removing those barriers, closing the gender gap, understanding the challenges that women are facing, and then designing the business and the business model around that. So, Our purpose and the problem that we're trying to solve really is at the core of everything that we do. I think as part of that as well is that everything we've done has always been in collaboration with our community and our members. And so I've been quite scrappy over the years in how I've built the business. And I'm actually really proud of that. You know, it's that whole kind of done is better than perfect. I kind of had to get rid of the perfectionist lawyer that was drilled into me and and really just put things out there that are scrappy and test and see what works and what doesn't and then iterate and rebuild based on what the community wants and needs. And so, yeah, we do a lot of focus groups. We do a lot of like collaborative kind of designing together. Even like when I set up the co-working space, I had community friends and members helping me literally painting walls and sourcing furniture and designing the whole space together. So I think very collaborative. And then the other thing I would say is we're really trying to be an extension of our members' needs and their businesses. So, you know, I think there's a lot of 
groups and memberships and support out there, but you can often just feel like you're another number, particularly when they get so big. Like I feel like I'm in the trenches with my members. We're on the ground with them and we're trying to really be an extension of their needs so that they know to call on us when they're looking for support. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think you're right. I think the collaboration, I think there are a lot of business owners who start businesses and they don't, they've got their own thing in their brain on how this might tick, but it sounds like you were like, no, let's just do minimal viable product, work out what happens, actually ask for feedback and then listen to the feedback and then keep iterating, which is great. You were originally located at South Bank in Melbourne and then you had to move. Tell me about that bit. Oh, that was all very interesting times. I think I'm still recovering. Um, so basically, we I wanted to, you know, I, I tested the idea, as I said, in an Airbnb home that was very successful. I continued testing the concept in different markets. I had a business partner in the US, so we were in the US for a while. And then I didn't have funding and capital to set up like a fully-fledged co-working business. So I had to find really smart, economical ways of doing it. I ended up getting connected to a property developer and they gave me a really good deal on a building that was earmarked for redevelopment. So it was going to be demolished at some point and they gave me a good deal and said, good luck and here's the space and we'll give you notice when we get the permits and we're going to demolish the building. And in that time, I thought it was going to be about 18 months. That was the lease I'd signed and it ended up being four years. So you can imagine I had in in those four years, I'd really built up the community, the membership. We had 180 members. We had a 200-person event space. We had 200,000 people in and out of the space every single year. Like it, it had great traction, great success. And then, yeah, off the back of that, I was able to raise capital because, you know, in order to get a flagship site I needed money behind me to be able to grow and sign a proper lease and do things properly but yeah I then raised money I think I I probably didn't raise enough and I found these challenges of not being able to find the right property and you know rents just kind of going up this was all just before COVID so in 2019 and then I got the call and we had three months to vacate the property in South Bank And so I became a co-working operator that was taking in close to a million dollars a year in revenue and investors came on board off the back of all of this to a co-working operator with no co-working space from a million dollars in revenue to basically nothing overnight or within a couple of months and, you know, still hadn't signed a lease on a new property. So it was a very, very challenging, difficult time. Wow. Your stress levels must have been through the roof. Beyond. And of course, I was, what, I was seven months pregnant. Of course, yeah. And and people kind of saying to me, what are you doing? Like, maybe just walk away from all of this is now really the time to bring on so much more stress in your life. And I refused to give up. And so I signed a heads of agreement on a space in Cremorne in Melbourne to open in July 2020. I had a baby the first week of the first lockdown in Melbourne. So that was March. COVID hit and then, yeah, I just lost all confidence in the deal, in the model, in co-working, in everything. So I made the most difficult decision I've ever made and returned the capital to my investors and walked away from the deal that, you know, lucky I hadn't signed a lease, lucky I had their money 
and pivoted the business to a digital membership. And that was one of my advisors on my board had said to me, Sheree, everyone's on Zoom. You just need to start generating revenue again. And I remember crying when she said it because I was like, I'm literally six years later starting the business all over again. But I'm really grateful that I did and it's been really successful and it's been a great pivot. Yeah, well, out of crisis sometimes come some of those defining moments, but I can just, I can imagine your heartbreak when you're like, ah, oh. but also once you realise this thing COVID is going to stay for a bit longer than we all anticipated, how relieved you must have felt to have not signed anything yet. Incredible sense of relief. And that was pure dumb luck that COVID happened when it did. You know, I was ready to sign the lease and start fitting out this building and spending a lot of money on it. So yeah, that was pure luck. But then I guess, you know, the, the hard work came into taking advantage of the situation and knowing that everyone is online. And so let's redo the website. Let's start selling memberships again. And let's just do all the things that we're good at, which is events and community and connection and coaching and support and just run it all over Zoom and do it all online. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's heartbreaking. I went to the event space at South Melbourne. It was beautiful. It was just a lovely vibe there. Tell me, so everything is completely digital now. What does that actually mean? Yeah, so we are now a digital network membership for female leaders and entrepreneurs. When you sign up to One Roof, we take you through an onboarding process. So you get an onboarding call, you get a welcome pack sent in the mail, and we've got an amazing social enterprise partner who sends that. You know, you get access to our portal, our Facebook group, our weekly networking events, masterclasses, industry experts, women's circles, conferences, pitch nights. So it really is everything that we were already doing in the co-working space, just no longer have the pressure and stress and financial risk of a co-working space. Of overheads, yeah, bricks and mortar. Exactly. Yeah. And and now we partner with co-working spaces right across the country so that, you know, you can still get discounts and we occasionally will will do in-person catch-ups. But, yeah, it just means that majority of our members' networking and learning and events is now done online. Yeah, right. And do you feel like COVID's made it more difficult or has it made it easier for women to collaborate? Look, I think both in different ways. I I think if I give One Roof as an example, like we went from having members, you know, who, who we could only take on in Melbourne, who were in the area, you know, where they could come to the space. We were limited with, you know, our capacity and occupancy and desk space to being able to work with and support women literally across the country and even anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's opened up incredible opportunities for networking and attending events and accessibility for people anywhere, especially if they're remote or regional or rural and they haven't typically had access to this level of support before. So that's really good. But, you know, it comes with its challenges. We all know, like, there's incredible isolation. There's a lot of people who, especially if you're extroverted, not feeling very motivated, there's Zoom fatigue. You know, we find it harder to get attendance to events or engagement at events. It's like the way that you engage people and ensure that there's networking and connection and collaboration going on is different to in-person. So it's harder 
and better in different ways. And I guess, you know, and also like I've got a two-year-old, I'm due to have my second baby in June. For me, this is working well because it's making it really accessible for me and I'm loving not going to the city every day like I used to for events and, you know, having that hectic lifestyle. But, yeah, it's. I think we'll see like a levelling out of a hybrid of in-person and online and we'll be comfortable with both, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right about the national thing. And that's what I've noticed about Business with the Queen, which is a networking event that I run. And it was just Melbourne based. But when COVID hit, we expanded it. And it was called Lunch with the Queen because it was face to face. Then we got rid of it, put it as Business with the Queen. And now everyone can come along. It's actually leveled out the playing field a bit, which is lovely. Exactly. I mean, you obviously meet with lots of business women, lots of entrepreneurs, lots of female leaders throughout the course of your week. What are the biggest challenges that they're currently facing? I would say apart from time. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Everyone's like, not enough time. No, yes, and headspace and time for themselves. I think the biggest challenge which continues is access to the right network. You know, I still think there is a very strong um, boys club and it's when it comes to people with influence, money, power, having conversations that can really drive change. Women are not in those rooms. They're not invited into those rooms. It makes it really hard to, you know, when it comes to capital raising or funding opportunities, to doing deals, to having influence over policies, to finding the right advisors. Like there's many women I talk to who have just been taken down the wrong path because they've been connected with the wrong advisors or capacity builders or experts and and that they haven't understood their business properly. And I I find it so interesting, like, you know, when I sit with my male friends and a lot of them run their own businesses and they're talking about, you know, listing and being acquired and the amount of money that they're making and it's just not the same conversations that I hear women having and whether they're leaders or business owners. And so, yeah, I think we're just still not in those circles of influence. What's your sense on how we as businesswomen can break into those circles? I know it's hard. Mm. I think if you're in there, it's getting other women in there. So whenever you go and, and I get invited and go, go along to lots of networking opportunities and I'll always ask if I can bring a friend or a One Roof member or someone along with me and then I made it my mission really early on to just network like crazy, like just put myself out there, go to these events, try to get in front of these people and get invited into these circles. And I guess like I'm so passionate about breaking down those barriers so I have a vested interest in a way of like it's putting yourself out there, it's asking to go for coffee with people who you might think they're never going to say yes but just doing it anyway And it's really trying to place yourself in those circles, knowing those people. Like I used to write lists down of people that I wanted to meet. They were usually all women. And over time, and sometimes it would take me like three years before I ended up meeting with that particular person, but I would find a way to meet with them. I heard them speak or, you know, got connected through somebody else. Like I just made it, it was important to me to be in circles where I could have some kind of influence and, you know, try to make a difference. I mean, you're networking, you sound like a master networker and obviously it's paid off now, right? 
Yes, definitely. But I would say I love people and meeting people, but networking in the traditional sense of going to an event and schmoozing the room and talking to lots of people is not me at all. And very early on in in running the business or even before I started One Roof, I actually found it the most uncomfortable thing to do because when somebody asked me, what do you do? I just wanted to die because I didn't want to answer the question. So I think over the years, I've just found networking that works for me and it's usually more one-on-one or, you know, just meeting one or two people at an event. Honestly, like every single door and opportunity that's open for me has been because I've met someone who's introduced me to someone who's then said, sure, I'll give you a go. Sure, I'll back you. Sure, I'll connect you to this person. So I think women, you know, women are actually, we're actually very good at it. We just don't often do it strategically enough and, and you just need to find how that can work well for you and really just feel the fear and nerves of it and just do it anyway because we all feel we're all scared yeah totally and I think what we worry about is coming across as icky and as coming across as salesy but it takes quite a bit of effort to come across as salesy right like if you just rock up and you're genuinely interested in other people and you find the right networking place or the place to do the networking and you make it match your personality then I think it can have amazing things I mean that's one of the reasons that Probably your events are so popular that people come along because it's safe. Tell me about some of the events that you run, have on offer, just as an example. Sure, yeah. So we definitely love to create spaces to talk about the things that aren't often talked about, especially affecting women and affecting women in business. So in May every year we run the Unspoken Conference, which is the Unspoken Conversations Affecting Women in Business. This year it's discussions around like chronic illness, fertility issues or like the kind of masks that women are wearing and taking that off and telling us like what's going on behind the scenes, what are the issues you're dealing with that you don't bring into your business and career and life, how are women running businesses and leading in very different ways. So, yeah, that we we do every year. We're also running a Women in Tech Summit in September, which is really exciting. All of this is done virtually. And every single week we basically have a masterclass, whether it's on like funding, so bootstrapping versus, you know, investment or how to market your business with zero budget or how to set your business up for a sale or acquisition or what it takes to be, you know, an effective leader in this day and age or negotiation skills. So it's on everything and it can be business, it can be personal, it can be career and leadership focused. And then we also run weekly networking sessions. So there's great opportunities to be putting breakout rooms and actually just talk about your challenges and get advice from the group. Yeah, because it's lonely, right? So sometimes when you run your own business or when you're the leader in an organisation, you can't go and talk to your staff about what's happening. You actually need to talk to other people. I think the value that the One Roof membership provides is amazing value. There's always something on. There's always something to go to. There's a beautiful directory of members. Like it's amazing. So anyone who's listening and wants a digital community of awesome women, join One Roof is what I say. What's the next step for you in One Roof? Yes. So um, apart from having a baby, I mean, you know. (laughs) Yes. So there is a baby on the way in June. But yeah, apart from that, we've got some big goals. We want to really grow the membership to 10,000 members over the next few years and really just thinking about how can we automate 
some parts of it but still keep other parts of it very personalised. I have this idea in my head that we want to be this kind of Netflix of professional development and support for entrepreneurial, like for female leaders and entrepreneurs. And so it's almost like you'd come to the website and kind of click where you're at in your business or career journey, you know, what your challenges are, what you need. And then we've got all the content and the support and the masterclasses geared towards you and your specific needs and challenges. And then, yeah, we've recently just announced we're doing Inner Circle, which is women's circles kind of group or peer-led coaching support, kind of like matching you with your your advisory board. Um, and so I think that will be quite, will probably be a signature offering that we do in the future. Um, but, you know, I'm always learning. Things are always changing and we're just open to that, which I think it's, yeah, I'm, I'm excited by this space. I really thought I'd be doing co-working forever so it's been a very interesting change of life and and business it's interesting how it evolves isn't it what advice would you give your younger self now that you've got a few more of those business bruises and um, you've been through the ringer you've changed you've evolved you've iterated what would you say to yourself yeah I think I was very anxious early on and, you know, very obsessed with success and without knowing what that really meant and very ambitious, but then always had this story in my head that I couldn't be successful and I wasn't good enough and capable enough. And I think I would just, yeah, keep reminding my younger self that most people are feeling that way and it's very common. And this is kind of, you know, the conditioning that society has placed on us and why you think the way that you do, like really just better understanding my brain and how it was working and where that anxiety and stress was coming from. And I think also just to say that, like, I really know now that it's a journey and it's a long journey. And while, you know, in my 20s, I was like, I've got to be there now. There's just that rush is doesn't feel the same for me. I like the journey. I like the organic growth and I'm not I'm not trying to run like this massive global company right now with lots of staff and offices and like that's not what I want. And so yeah, my definition of success is very much changed, but also just seeing seeing it as a as a journey and that it's okay and that I don't need to like be there wherever I thought there was at 25. So interesting, isn't it, how we measure success changes as we get a little bit older or a little bit more experience under our belt. But what I'm hearing you say is there's no need to sprint the marathon. Yeah, yeah. You know, like just enjoy it for what it is and make sure you take a look at the view because you've got one life. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. I know that our listeners will get some really practical tips and can I can hear the determination in your voice. So I can't wait to see what happens after the next bub arrives. And I would love to um, stay in touch with you. I think you're doing amazing things. Thank you so much. Thank you, Emma. It was a really great chat. I loved it. Cherie and One Roof would like to offer Tea with the Queen listeners 15% discount on One Roof membership. Go to weareoneroof.com forward slash pricing and type in Emma McQueen, which is one word, as the discount code. Details are in the show notes. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you want to contact me directly, all my details are at my website, emmamcqueen.com.au. I look forward to your company next episode. I'm Emma McQueen. Thanks for listening.
Goodbye. Thank you for coming.